This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Huibun. Should you buy a home or should you rent one? This age-old argument has been going on for many, many years. Of course, now there are more factors that come into play. The pandemic and resultant work-from-home practices, for instance, have provided more incentives for people to own their own residential property. But with the rising interest rate environment, along with growing cost of living and the low wages that we have, it's still difficult for someone to own a home. So how do we make this decision? Joining me to discuss this is Felix Neo, Director of Financial Planning at Finn Wealth Management. Good morning, Felix. Let's start off with this. Are houses worth buying now? Are they still considered a worthwhile investment? I would say that when you talk about investments, right, it's always about the price, right, and the so-called valuation, right, after you buy it. And if you look at the market today, I think there are there are definitely opportunities, right? If you pick up a property these days, right, with you know ample supply in many locations, you'll probably be able to get a good deal, right? So if your question is, is it a worthwhile investment? I would say uh, there are there is a chance that you can actually uh, secure a good investment, right? However, I think people need to uh, go in with the eyes wide open, right? Because uh, there is a different set of uh, evaluation or questions that you need to actually go through uh, if the decision for the purchase is for an own home versus uh, investment property. And what right? are these questions then? Yeah. I mean, if it is uh, your own home, right, it's somewhere that you see yourself, uh, you know, staying for quite some time, then, you know, you want to be in a location that is near to your your, your usual places that you would go to. Uh, it's convenient for those who have kids, it's near a school or, you know, your, your groceries, your market and all that kind of thing. So those type of factors will play in uh, more heavily in the decision, right? But when it comes to investment property, then you have to ask yourself, so who is the likely tenant, right? And what kind of people uh, would come? What are they looking for, right? And what kind of rentals can you probably get? And then you have to work backwards to see whether or not the property that you buy, you know, the amount of finishing furnishings that you want to, you know, put as an outlay, right? Uh, is you're able to still make some money uh, from there? Or at least in, in today's market, can I break even or not? See, that's interesting because... When you come to buy a house, uh, the question of value comes in, right? I think 10 years ago, the situation was like that, you know, everyone talks about appreciation. Everyone talks about you buy a house, you know, it will appreciate. And, and of course, like you said, right, whether you buy a place to live uh, or whether you buy a place for investments, there are different considerations. Uh, I think it, the considerations is the quantum of appreciation, right? If you buy a property for investment, 10 years ago, you said you want to flip it in a few years, right? And you want to see that gain, right? Whereas if you buy a home... You're not looking to flip it, but it's much nicer to know that the property price has appreciated as the years go by, right? But the problem now is prices have been stagnating, you know, because we have this oversupply issue, right? So I guess what I want to ask is like, should you be concerned if you're buying a house and it looks like the house property value might not appreciate as much as it used to be or in the next 5 to 10 years, you're not going to see that 10%, 15% or even 20% increase in value. What What are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah, I think that that's a very good question because, uh, again, if you're buying for an own stay, right, then uh, the, the value of appreciation or the quantum of appreciation uh, would likely be there, but it might take a longer time. 
right? If you're buying for investments, I think the days of, you know, being able to flip a property upon, uh, uh, you know, vacant possession, I think those days are quite over, right? And as, as we all know, uh, we are in an environment of interest rate increases, right? Uh, and it's not the first round of increase uh, that we have seen. Actually, we have seen quite a number of increases and the, the more regular or often it happens, uh, the more painful it becomes, right? The, the belts are really tightening, uh, right? So, so, you know, uh, you really need to be uh, aware or comfortable in a position that you can afford those repayments and, and what have you. So the likelihood of you being able to flip upon vacant possession is, is slim these days. So you must be able to so-called uh, fund it. You know, your, your income levels must be sufficient to be able to pay uh, for the mortgage. Uh, it's quite likely that you will get rental, but the rental will not cover the cost, mm, right? Yeah. So that means you have to so-called fund the difference. Yeah, the cost of the loan, basically. Okay, so let's talk about buying the house itself, right? The cost, since we're on this topic of cost, right? Um, what are some of the misconceptions or do you think things to watch out for for someone that's looking to buy a house? Because I think for first-time home buyers, this can be an especially dangerous situation. I'm using it dangerous because it's, it's a real thing, you know. You see all the ads out there and they're always like, you know, like they go for like, oh, $4.95, $5.50, uh, um, you know, affordable housing, you know, then 10% rebate. and then No money down. No down payment, <laughs> you know. Or minimal. Uh, and then nowadays, what I'm noticing is like, uh, they even put the guaranteed loan amount or rental right on the ad where like, oh, it's like this house costs this much, 400 plus thousand. And uh, every month is only like thousand plus, thousand plus. And, and I, I think that's a problem in itself. But maybe you being the expert, you can talk about more about this. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, if you look at the associated costs when it comes to home ownership, right? So first things first, again, you know, depending on whatever gimmicks and, and marketing uh, offers there are in the market, but under normal circumstances, there is a down payment that is required, right? So whether you are a 10%, uh, you know, you have to put a 10% down or some people might have to put up to 30% down or whatever. So there is a down payment that to, to consider, right? And there are some other upfront costs, right? Uh, again, depending on that property, uh, it's common that you have to foot uh, some legal fees, right? There is stamp duty, right, on the loan. And these are not put the, in that price where they advertise, yeah? These are often not priced in, yeah. right? Again, you know, there might be some exceptions out there. Some developer might be a little bit more marketing savvy, yeah. uh, you know, and... and but you know, always but keep this by in mind. And, by and large, you know, these are some of the associated costs, right? Uh, often, uh, you know, especially if it's a sub-sale property, right, then uh, property valuation fees, uh, might have to be paid, right? Because the financer might ask you for a valuation report, right? And there are other so-called setup costs as well, right? I I see and I, I, I hear very few people are quite happy to just move in as is, right? Most people, they want to do a little bit of renovations. They want to do some, uh, you know, change some fittings, furnishings and all that kind of things, right? And there is always uh, the recurring costs, of home ownership as well. Uh, so we're talking about, you know, monthly rental repairs, for example. There might be some repairs that will come up anytime. There's utilities, management fees, assessment, quit rents, and all that. So all of these uh, actually form the cost of home ownership. With loans right now, the, the thing to know is the rising interest rate environment, right? So what do you have to know about these interest rates when it comes to your housing loan? 
under normal circumstances, when the interest rate rises, right, when the OPR, when Bank Negara announces the OPR rise, uh, it would, you know, filter through to a monthly uh, repayment increase as well, right? Uh, so you would find that uh, the, the loan that you have uh, would increase. Uh, some of them, you know, they, they might also factor in uh, extending the loan tenure a little bit mm. uh, as well so that the impact on the uh, monthly cash flow is not so, uh, you know, so bad uh, in that sense. I suppose the thing that you need to be uh, aware of is so-called your rights as a borrower. What do I mean by that is, of course, yes, the banks will, you know, levy the increase, right, in terms of loan repayments. But as a borrower, if you find that you're facing cash flow issues, right, there is no problem or no harm in going to speak to your financer and, you know, do a debt restructuring if you have to. But I think in this type of environment where interest rates are rising, you know, hopefully we have seen the last. But in this type of environment, I think the biggest advice would be don't overstretch yourself. So let's lock in that. As a financial planner, right, um, the loan that you pay for your home, right, how much of it should it take in your monthly cash flow? Roughly, we're talking about one third of your income. But again, I, I do caution uh, people about stretching it, you know, pushing that limit. Um, speaking of loans also, right, I'm curious about this. Um, so a standard housing loan will range to about 30 years, 30, 35 years. Can you pay off the loan earlier? How does that work, right? Do you increase your monthly payment or do you should you just like one shot, maybe before the year close, like I put in another 10, 20K because I got my bonus or a win? How should you go about it if you want to end your loan tenure earlier? So basically, it depends on the type of loan that you have, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a term loan, that means that if you want to make any prepayments, you must give notice to your bank, right? And let them know, okay, this is the payment that I'm going to make and this is not advanced monthly repayments. This is a payment to reduce your outstanding balance. Then the bank will so-called reduce your balance accordingly lah, by the amount that you've actually made payment for. What is quite common these days is to have something called a full flexi loan. Whenever you have excess funds, just you know credit it, put it into that account because the interest uh, expense is calculated on a daily basis. So whatever that's outstanding on a daily basis, that will be the uh, interest charge. Uh, you know, calculated on a daily basis for the whole month and that's the amount that you will get uh, at the end of the month, right? What if you want to sell your house before your mortgage ends, right? So if there's still an outstanding loan, then what will happen is the buyer's financer, the bank that is financing your purchaser, uh, they will be the one uh, who will so-called make the required payments to secure the release of the loan documentation from the current, from your so-called current financer. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. So when it comes to this new payment, what if your current property has appreciated in value? So it means the new financer will have to fork out a bit more money to pay, is it? Uh, yeah, well, so it depends also on how much uh, loan the buyer is taking. Okay. Right? So... Basically, there's a differential sum. La. I mean, he might buy the property from you for 500. Uh, he might only want to take, for example, a 300,000 loan. So he has to actually fork out the 200,000 difference. Okay. Right? So normally, the bank that's financing him will say, hey, you got to pay your 200,000 first. Uh, uh, you pay first, then only I will pay. Okay. Right? Then depends. If that 200,000 is sufficient to 
to secure the release of your loan or settlement of your loan, right? Then maybe that that will happen first, right? But it's insufficient, then the financer will come in. What happens if my house has depreciated in value then? The, well, the, 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 does the differential amount okay. change? Or? So in the worst case scenario, let's say you have an outstanding loan for 500000 but you've only managed to secure the sale of the property at let's say four hundred and fifty. So you're going to get your four hundred and fifty, but you still owe the bank that 50000 All right, so we're going to take a short break for some messages and after this, we'll move on to renting. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Sense. Brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Weeboon, and today's topic is buying versus renting for a home. What do you do? What do you think about? And how should you make this decision? Earlier in the show, we were going through some of the factors and uh, prerequisites and 101s on buying a home, how to make it worth it and whatnot. But uh, now we're going to take a look at renting. And to help us with this uh, question is Felix Neo. He's the Director of Financial Planning at FinWealth Management. Now, Felix, when it comes to renting, what are the pros and what are the cons of renting? I think if you're looking at the pros of con, uh, of renting, it, it's very straightforward, right? I mean, you enjoy, you get to enjoy the facilities of this property, but you only have to pay a fraction of the price, right? So you 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 actually get to benefit from from that, right? Uh, enjoying the facilities for a very small price, right? Uh, secondly, when you talk about repairs, right, replacements and all that kind of things, damage and all that, uh, those costs. Uh, is not something that you would need to bear, right? It's quite likely that you just give a tinkle to the owner and the owner will make some arrangements or tell you pay first and he will refund you. He or she will refund you, right? Now, uh, the other thing also is that uh, you don't require much upfront costs or, got, or get bogged down with you know higher type of costs like, for example, the loan repayments that we spoke about, right? And other costs of ownership, Right? Uh, you know, to in order to enjoy this so-called roof over your head, lah, right? So these are among, uh, you know, the the common pros of of renting, right? Now the cons, uh, you know, obviously is that uh, you might be subject to price increases, mm. right? Uh, you know, with especially uh, nowadays when uh, loan repayments are going up because of interest rates rises, right? Uh, rising, uh, you might actually uh, get a call from the Landlord to say, you know, he's got to increase. So, so you you got to be subjected to you be you have to be prepared to be subjected to that, right? And that might result in you having to move out. You can't afford it, then you might have to leave, right? So you, you know you have to take that risk, right? Now, uh, earlier on we spoke about the potential capital appreciation of properties, especially in the long term, yep. right? Uh, as a as a renter, right? As a tenant, uh, you don't get to enjoy any of that, lah, mm. right? Because you're helping the landlord pay off his loan or her loan, right? Uh, but you will not have uh, any participation of that price appreciation, right? And similarly, what you might find is after paying rental, you know, for years and years, you have nothing to show for it, lah. Right, because your rental is an expense; it's a monthly expense mm. on your income, right? But it is—it's not an asset, right? So if you're actually trying to calculate, you know, your your net worth, uh, this rental property doesn't show up anywhere, lah. Speaking of rental increases, do do rents increase at an annual or uniform rate in Malaysia? 
Yeah, I, I think it's very much subject to the negotiation between the uh, the renter and the, the tenant and the landlord, I should say, right? Some uh, landlords, uh, if they are actually having properties in very prime locations where everybody is knocking on their door and telling them, oh, no, I'm willing to pay you more, I'm willing to pay you more, uh, then yes, you have to be prepared uh, to pay that higher uh, price on a, a fairly frequent basis, right? But there are, in, in Malaysia, or especially in KL, I think there is a lot of uh, areas that are experiencing more supply than demand. Mm. So in those type of uh, circumstances, what you'll find is the landlord is going to be pretty happy if there is a tenant, mm. uh, right? And I think the landlords are also quite happy to uh, charge slightly lower than market price if they feel that, hey, you are a very good paymaster. Mm. Or, hey, you jaga my place, ah. Yeah. Okay, la, I see and I look, I'm happy. Uh. Okay, I don't mind uh, charging you a little bit less because I want to attract you to stay. Yeah. So what's the other associated cost yeah. when so, it comes to renting? Yeah. yeah. So let's say, for example, if you are about to sign a new rental ten uh, tenancy agreement, la, right? Uh, what you should be prepared to put up front is, for example, the rental deposits. It's commonly around two months, right? Uh, you will have to put up a one-month so-called upfront deposit, uh, upfront rental. You also have to make some deposit for utilities, right? Half month, one month, right? Uh, and then for those who are staying in gated, guarded or condos and all that, you likely have access cards. They will probably ask you for a deposit. So those are the type of uh, costs uh, that will be normally associated with, you know, so-called signing a tenancy. But I think it's also good to remind people that that's not the end of it, you know, because especially if you have a lot of stuff that you need to move from somewhere else, huh? hey, don't forget, you also have relocation costs. Uh, some people will find, especially if they're staying in condos, that uh, oh, there's only one car park. I've got three cars, you know. Mm. Uh, then they might actually have to factor in that possibility of renting either from management or other uh, landlords. Can you rent a home for life? I think technically, yes. You know, nothing's uh, stopping you from doing that, right? But I think realistically, right, in Malaysia, our society still prioritizes home ownership. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, and this home ownership thing is so-called like a benchmark of a person's financial success. Right? You know, that will be uh, the majority of people's thinking. Right? So what happens is, uh, you know, people might rent, but eventually they find themselves, you know, attracted towards home ownership, at least for their own uh, residential property. Right? So I would say that renting is perfectly fine, right? Uh, we should not have that kind of uh, notion that it's it's a no-no, you know, I must definitely stay in my own place, you know, even from day one kind of a thing. I think we, I think we cannot have that kind of uh, notions anymore, right? But I would say that if you eventually decide to pull the trigger and buy a, a, a property, right, uh, you know, especially if it's for your own residential uh, stay, yeah, you should consider purchasing what you can afford. And when you can afford it, right? Don't listen to other people, lah, right? At the end of the day, I think you know your finances better. Now, of course, a home can be disposed at any time, right? And a home, a property is an asset, right? But, you know, you have to be mindful, right? That it should not be the biggest asset that you have, right? Why do I say that? It's because if you need some money, can you sell a room in your house? 
you probably can't, right? Buying a home is fine, but it should not make up too much, uh, high, too high a percentage of your net worth, probably below 50% of your net worth, right? It's probably a safe number, right? This also ensures that you have sufficient funds to invest, right, in other investable assets. Why? Because ultimately your goal is still to grow your net worth. And with that, we've reached the end of our show. We hope today's episode helps you make a better decision on whether you want to rent or buy your home. So that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Felix Neo, Director of Financial Planning at Finn Wealth Management. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Sim Weeboon from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.